North Row Podcast coming back at you. And today, the jerks, we have a little chip on our shoulder. We have for a while. We're actually kind of pissed because we find that comedies, or we feel that comedies, and we always have felt that comedies don't doesn't get the respect it deserves. Not in Oscar season, not in the from a writing standpoint, just in general. As always, dog, share in my in my anger in this in this fact. <laughs> I, well, I wasn't coming in that hot. Oh, we're coming in hot, homie. Hot and loaded. You're you're, you're coming in hot. I'm coming pissed. I'm pissed, and I, I got something to say about it. Hey, hey, uh, uh, comedies, uh, they, uh, they get no respect. Anyways, um, I, I don't have a good danger field. Uh, Better than mine. But, but on the real, Phil and I, you know, being huge comedy fans, um, you know, whether it's stand-up comedy, comedy films, uh, comedy shit, like it's just the way we communicate oftentimes through um, comedies, but also... Um, uh, relating through the, the comedies that we've seen together. Um, and we were discussing um, how, you know, first off, how, how comedies just really, uh, I think, are arguably, I think how this started, Phil, was I, I, I asked you the question, do comedies stimulate the most emotion out of any genre? Right. Yeah, I had to think about that for a while. I think my answer is finally no. But that doesn't mean that comedies don't aren't a huge part of cinema. So, I, I mean, I, I think other, like, if you even look at, like, action movies and dramas, there's always some sort of, like, comedic break that happens, at least throughout some sort of the movie. Like, I think it's, I think you can see this a lot in, in like, trailers. So, if, if you're watching a trailer for a movie, whether it's a scary movie, an action movie, a drama, whatever... There's almost always some point of comedy that they try to sell the movie on. And I, I don't know if it's like a cheap marketing thing or whatever, whatever like the, the place sees it. But say, take, for instance, like a Bond movie, right? Like if you're in the theaters, like you're going to you're more you're most likely going to hear that quippy Bond line rather than see all the action that happens in a Bond movie. Like I'm trying to think of like other other movies that have that have come out recently, but they they focuses on the humor. So, for instance, like an Avengers or like an action movie, like you're gonna see Downey Jr. give that one liner in the trailer. Yeah, like it's used so much in in movies, but then when it comes to like the awards season, it's almost forgotten. So that's a okay, really good point in that like comedy itself. Uh, is used um, throughout pretty much. I mean, maybe it's not in Schindler's List or Spotlight at all, but uh, you know, it's it's pretty much used in every other genre. But as we like to do, I think we should we should define what a comedy is right off the bat, because I mean, comedy is used across the board. And uh, but real quick, I, and I also have some gray area films to throw at you right off. The okay, bat sweet, too. go for it. So. So I think a comedy is a is is a movie that is sole purpose is to make you laugh. Agreed. Um, I think you can end it right there. Did you have more of an, a definition? Because I think you can just end it right there. No, I think simple is sweet. Like that's that. I think that's the 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 way I'm gonna go with it. But but with that in mind, my gray area films are more than that. All right. So I'm just gonna start. Out throw these at you and are they comedies or are they something else? Sweet. And you have to 
you have to define what else they are. Yes. They're not this is this has become a jerk's game. I I like this. Go for it. Okay. So right, uh Inglorious Bastards. Oh, funny you bring that up. No, I do not consider that a comedy. Wait well, wait a minute. Oh, all right. Let me let me just say no right off the, no, but I have a longer question for you later. But go keep going. All right, no, I mean, but I mean, although the subject nature, of course, is World War Two and uh, you know Nazis um, taking over Paris and uh, you know basically hunting uh, Jewish folks and anyways, so that's the 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 topic of the movie of, of is of course dark in nature, but I feel like the execution basically ever seen has has some elements of comedy. Whether it's you know Christoph Waltz, uh, just his delivery, mm-hmm. or Brad Pitt, or um, I mean the maybe the only scenes that don't have some element of comedy. I mean I feel like even when they're burning down the the cinema and shooting Hitler, like they shoot him so many times, it's almost like over over overdoing it for satirical nature. So like, all right, almost. so I, I know you've got a couple other gray ones, but we're talking so much about Inglorious Bastards right off the bat. I want to show you my notes. I have right there listed Tarantino movies as a specific so it's not only Inglorious Bastards, it's Tarantino movies overall. Like you could you could claim that there's a ton of humor in Kill Bill, uh Django Unchained, same thing with the with the, the Waltz character and Django in general, Leo character, he's just like a walking meme from that movie. Samuel L. Jackson kind of made me laugh in, in that movie just because he played such a, a weird I role. Leo, I don't know if Calvin Candy, Leo's character, really made me laugh all too much. Well, um, I mean, but... he's just kind of sarcastic the entire time, and I feel like Leo's character in that was much like Christopher Waltz's character in Inglorious Bastards in the fact that he kind of like was playing dumb but was smart and like... Anyways... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood has so many funny things in there. And I mean, I think you could just go right down the line of I mean, Pulp Fiction. There, there's so many Tarantino movies, almost all of his movies. I think on, on past, past podcasts, we kind of put them in their own genre. But they're all, they all have so much comedy laced throughout. Though I wouldn't consider them pure comedies. So, okay. So, I, and I asked you to, if not a comedy, then what is it? I know you're saying it's a Tarantino is his own genre, but like, what are they thrillers in the end? Yes, like, I think, I think so. But I think in the in past, we've defined them as, as just Tarantino movies. But yes, I think it's the closest to thriller. And even in thrillers, you get comedy in thrillers. They're art pieces though, too. They're always so colorful and like the... The music used and the you know the, he has his own his own touch to the camera like just like Wes Anderson does. Um, but all right, so moving on from uh, so, wait, just one more question about Tarantino, just to bring it back to your definition. Do you think Tarantino, okay. Tarantino makes those movies solely for you to laugh? Uh, he makes them for mul- multiple reasons. Like, okay. <clears throat> that's why I, it's arguably my favorite director. I would not want to hang out with him for <laughs> ten minutes. Like the guy seems obnoxious, but you know that uh, I'm I don't have judgment when it comes to art. Um, uh, in because he just makes my the, the stuff that again is uh, visually stimulating as well as his ability to tackle taboo uh, topics, which I'll get into later. Okay. Um, as well as, you know, all right, so this is a, an element of comedy that I think is so important. 
its ability to, to, to tackle taboo topics, but also the spectrum of darkness that I want to talk about that exists. Like it can, like comedy can exist anywhere, like amongst, like and it, it'll, it's, it's proven to, like I was discussing earlier with, uh, in, in World War II, well, Nazis are hunting for, you know, for Jews out in the, the, the French countryside. Like somehow they, they found ability or that they were able to find elements of comedy in that, which is, is amazing. Like it's not because it's such a serious topic, but yeah. anyways, um, but I don't think his sole purpose is to make you laugh. I think it's to provoke uh, thought and emotion. Um, but also just to, I, I just enjoy them. They're, they're rewatchable, um, which is another thing I want to get back to is rewatchability, but great area. No. Yeah. Okay. We started it. Sorry. I, I threw us on a loop because I have Tarantino underlined like five times in my mm-hmm. notes because it's, we, we, we did very similar research in it, but go ahead. Yeah. Keep coming with the gray, it, the gray it's area. Your job, it's your job to cut me off and I could talk Tarantino all day, but I got to be self-aware anyways. So, uh, doing the research, I kept coming across Fargo. Is Fargo a comedy? No, I don't think Fargo is a comedy. So I, 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 think I don't the, think it is I think the Coen brothers really want you to laugh at everything that they do, but I don't think that they make movies solely to, to be comedies. But no, so so no. the, why it's considered a comedy is because basically every character, William H. Macy is like a caricature mm-hmm. of like uh, someone from Minnesota mm-hmm. or uh, I'm pretty sure that's where they are, Minnesota. Um, but anyways, uh, or is, is it... Anyways, yeah, it's um, like North Dakota or something like. Yeah, I think it's North. It's that accent. Anyways, even even Steve Buscemi's character, who's supposed to be, it is actually is pretty dark. Yeah, that's he has the, that ability to to encapsulate a lot of uh, different uh, energies when he's performing. Anyways, but he like his relationship with the other guy is supposed to be a little funny. The other killer. Uh, in that, like the other yeah. guy doesn't really talk. It's kind of like much. the Looney Tunes, like the "Hey Mugsy, you dumb idiot!" Like that's that's their kind of dynamic in that. No, great, great comparison. Great yeah. comparison. I agree with you that it's more of a like a mystery uh, thriller rather than a rather than a comedy. All right, third, Get Out. <sighs> no, not a comedy. Not a comedy. I the reason and the reason for my hesitation is because. Um, who was it? Jordan Peele was the, was the director on that, um, yep. and you know they. It would be like, you know, almost like a Jerry Seinfeld or a Dave Chappelle creating a movie. You, you just assume that it is a comedy, but it's not. I, I don't think it is. I think it's. I, I think he does. There's funny parts of it, like where just throughout the movie, there's just funny parts. But there, it, I don't think that it's solely a comedy. No. Okay, and last one, uh, and I had to bring this up because <clears throat> I haven't been able to define what genre it is, but also I keep seeing it when I'm doing my research for different uh, different podcasts, it keeps coming up under different genres. So uh, Parasite is Parasite a comedy. Okay, so this actually leads me into uh, into our next segment, but I think it's the closest of the four that you mentioned. I do think it's the closest of the four that you mentioned, but I will not consider it a pure. Com- I still won't consider it a pure comedy. No. And yeah, those it, are gray area ones. I mean, that one honestly, 
I think it just, it was made to stimulate more questions and like more, like I also saw Midsommar on, on a list of comedies. As a comedy? Yeah. Well, it's just, a, the, they're, they're, I think they're just scenes that are most, mostly make you, supposed to make you go like, huh? Like what the hell is going on here? And like some people's reaction maybe is to laugh. Uh, yeah. I know when, mom, I know when mom is uncomfortable, she likes to laugh sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, I think that's just human nature, like, right. So, I mean, if you're nervous, there's nervous laughter, like awkward laughter. If you're, you know, I think, I think to be polite, oftentimes people, even if they don't think is something funny, you'll, you'll laugh, you know? Um, sure. but so parasite, so this kind of gets me into the, 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 the no respect part that you and I were talking about in our pre-production and leading up to this. So I went back and, and looked at all, all a lot of movies from, um, you know, the past, we'll call it 30 years, 20, 25, 30 years in the Academy. The most recent of which, which won the Academy Award was Parasite. So I looked it up and they considered Parasite a comedy. So I go, I go, what, like comedies, like you generally don't do well at the, at the, at the Oscars. I would think that the, the Academy would claim different. I think that they see some of these movies that they nominate and, you know, you know, vote for, for, comp, for, for Oscars, they consider comedies. I think that the people in the room aren't watching Billy Madison. They're not watching old school and seeing that as a piece of art. Whereas I think you and I do see those as pieces of art, even though, you know, they're just kind of like, you know, kind of raunchy humor type things. Anyways, so I went back and I, I, the ones that I consider, or, or the, I'm sorry, the ones that the, the Academy considered drama, comedies, or dark comedies that won in the past, uh, we'll call it 25 years, uh, going from 2019 back, Parasite, they considered The Green Book a comedy. They considered Birdman, the one with, I see you shaking your head, I'm with you. They considered Birdman, the one with Michael Keaton, a comedy. The Artist. Yeah. The yeah. Artist was a terrible movie. The, the, the Artist is just a joke. It's not a comedy. The movie was a joke. And the fact that it won was even more of a joke. They considered, okay, that was 2011. 2002, Chicago. With Richard Gere. Um, who else was in that? Catherine Zeta-Jones. Wasn't Alec Baldwin in that? You know what? It's been, I think it's been since 2002 since I've seen it. Anyways, I consider that a Broadway remake. I don't consider it a comedy. There's satire in it, but um, American Beauty, they considered a dark comedy with Kevin Spacey. I can't watch that. I watched that movie for the first time after the, uh, <clears throat> the information about his sexual misconduct came out. And you can't watch it the same way. No, like, you can't. He's, he's so creepy he's, in that. Yeah, he's a super creep. Um, and then Shakespeare in Love, and, and I'm sure there's the Driving Miss Daisy was before then, but so really, I don't see any of those as a as a pure comedy. But the Academy would say that these are. So when I looked them up, I Wikipedia or you know just went to their links based off of you know IMDb. They are technically considered comedy, but it was always like drama comedy, dark comedy, satirical comedy, all these things. So I think that the Academy would say that they do respect comedies, but I, I think you and you and I just view it differently. Yeah. Uh, here and I, uh, you, excuse me, you and I here on this podcast, uh, we talk about it so much of, of these genres or should be gut reaction things. So like, that's why we like the gray area films is because like, it should be like when you hear a comedy, like Step Brothers, gut reaction, of course it's a comedy. Yeah. Like, 
<clears throat> like you said before, uh, or uh, I, 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 you know, we, we, we both can agree on what is a comedy just by saying, you know, an actor from it. Um, which actually, I we ran into this the other day when I watched a Will Ferrell film with Julie Louis Dreyfus, and it ended up being like way darker. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it was about like divorce and all this stuff. Um, but they still considered it a comedy, even though I don't think I laughed the entire time. But again, it's based on acting in it and the goal of the film, um, which which can be, I, I think, all right. Getting into why comedies really deserve more respect and more sure. admiration because they the goals that some of them have so another thing that inspired this podcast was uh movie borat and i had recently watched the the newer one which as i was telling phil wasn't you know that great it definitely didn't live up to the original one but it personified and uh, characterized uh, misinformation and disinformation yeah, really well. So I, th- I think I think Sasha Baron Cohen always does that. He did that with his show. Even, as funny as all his stuff is and is sticky and not not sticky is like you know you know uh, raunchy as he's trying to make it. He is trying to prove a point with with all of his characters or overall. But anyways, I'll I'll let you. I don't want to steal your thunder on this point, but I, I agree. No, no. He, he is a caricature, definitely, in every character that he plays, whether it's Ali G or Borat or um, uh, what was the one he did? Uh, Bruno. Bruno, thank you. Um, so, but <clears throat> what it is, is really highlighting, and, and first off, the bravery that it takes to be him in some of those situations is, is not given enough props. Like he's straight up in danger some of these times, like and has to be like swooped away from and like just leave the state, you know what I mean? Yeah. And some of the stuff. In the does. first one, he was down in South, like saying, you know, some progressive things or like, you know, making fun of people's lifestyle who, you know, these are gun toting people who aren't afraid to use it if you step on your property or say the wrong thing. Same thing in Bruno right. when he had little baby OJ with him. And he drives like this is literally he drives in front of a car that wasn't like set up. That was like real shit that he that he's doing like that, that, you know, was endangering his life. But by filming himself doing these things amongst normal people, it's really commentary on society. And it's really kind of, again, personifies and gives like like an example of um, some serious issues such as homophobia in the South and some religious places or actually throughout the entire country. What am I saying? Let me not limit to it, limit it to a region, but it uh, also um, just the, you know, what you, you mentioned in Bruno, what mixed uh, parenting, you know, a black baby with a, with a homophobe or a a homosexual father, Mm -hmm. like it brings up so many taboo topics that I feel like, comedies have the ability to kind of set the line and kind of set the benchmark for what can be talked about out in public and in media. Um, Cause oftentimes it's the comedies that will be censored first. So, um, so right now there's, in the past year, there's been um, a lot of um, upheaval over blackface being used um, lightly. And like an episode of always sunny in Philadelphia was, you know, taken off, 
Hulu and stuff and you can't find it anywhere. So I just think it's interesting that comedy really does have that ability to kind of set the the line of what can be talked about. Yeah. And, and, and again, as going back to Sasha Baron Cohen, it takes a level of bravery to, uh, to kind of tackle some of those subjects. So I think movies like, did you ever see Three Billboards in, in uh, something? So, all right, so, so let's just take Fargo, for instance. All right, let's take Fargo, because that's a similar movie. Um, in that movie, I think that people are like, okay, this is a great movie, and it, and it goes back to their writing. They're like, oh, they're, the way that they're able to write comedy, even though it's not a, even though it's not a comedy, or like solely a comedy, the way that they were able, the Coen brothers were able to write comedy into it, that's really respectful. I think people see that as good writing. But for some reason, whatever, or the Academy in particular, whenever there's something like you're talking about, issues like movies that are solely made to make to, to make you laugh, but then when they also bring in serious topics, it's not taken as seriously as the, as the inverse of that. Do, do it's know? written off quickly. I mean, <clears throat> so... <clears throat> excuse me tropic thunder uh is a movie that we often talk about uh, uh we did a whole podcast on it yeah thank you for uh finishing my sentence there uh we we have a whole podcast on, but like the i've actually since we talked about it so much i've done more research into robert downey jr's experience doing blackface because uh being a respected actor and having a lot of black friends and stuff like that he was super sensitive about taking the role and portraying it um, and I think that it, it, it took him a lot to, to actually finally do it because it's tackling the satirical, it, it's, it's sat, it's, it's making a satire out of Hollywood. So it's holding a mirror up to Hollywood and saying, this is the crazy stuff that some people do. And it's doing it in a really bold way. It's like, it's doing it by, again, personifying it, by giving a character to say, this like type of person does kind of exist. You know, these type of people really do exist in Hollywood. And I think it's like so few like serious movies really kind of do that well. Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, I agree. But I think that because it's a comedy, it's automatically saying, okay, like that's why Sonny can tackle it because and Tropic Thunder can tackle it because they're like right off the bat, we're like, we're not serious. We are not serious about this. We are doing this to make you laugh. This is tongue in, tongue in cheek. But with that, once they get that like allowance, they got their foot in the door to kind of discuss those things. Whereas a serious movie, I think, would be more critically, critically, you know, scrutinized for, for trying to do something like that. Like if Robert, if Robert Downey Jr. was, let's just take. Um, I don't know, like Training Day, right? If if Robbie Robert Downing Jr. if you blackfaced him and put him into Training Day instead of Denzel's character, that movie, someone might go to jail for that. Like someone like I furrowed my brow and like shook my head. I was just like, uh, that's not yes, that's not right. But because and... it's a comedy, they can they can just go ahead and do that. Like the, because right off the bat, the, the, they're saying we're with the opening credits, we're here to make you laugh don't take anything seriously, then they can kind of creep in those serious, you know, footnotes into it once, you know, and actually, and actually execute some of the, like the, the Downey Jr. character in that. I mean, Downey Jr., but also Ben Stiller as Simple Jack, like playing a mentally challenged person. <laughs> like, so first off, like Robert Downey Jr. as Cyrus or whatever, uh, 
Colonel Sy or uh, whatever. So he's in blackface saying, "Never go full retard." Like it's like it's, it's about it's about the irony. Like it's that's why it's so perfect, and yeah. that's why and that and that's why it's so effective as well. Is it's I, irony it, like portrayed is like is great and it's and it's effective. Um, so uh, so, anyways, I I, I think it's a, it's it's an important part. Of, of, our, of our culture kind of progressing. Um, and, and it kind of does, again, not only does it set the line of like what can be talked about, but it's companies over time have really helped to define generations, wouldn't you say? I think so. I think like when, like you said, or maybe, I don't know if you said it here on this podcast or we've been talking about it before. It's something that you go generation by generation and they're most likely to be quoted. So it's like the most quotable stuff. So if you go back to like dad's generation, maybe a little bit after, you're hearing, you know, Caddyshack being quoted all the time. Um, you know, what else? Animal House. Whereas you kind of move up, you kind of move up the scale to ours, uh, our generation. We're doing the, we're still doing Dumb and Dumber, Billy Madison you know, Tommy boy quotes every time we get together with our buddies and just to kind of, you know, it's, it's just something, it's a part of our culture. It's a part of our friendships, these movies. And we're not quoting these the serious movies as much. I think you're more likely to quote the comedies rather than the serious movies. Sure. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's how so many, I mean, if you listen to our buddies, comedies back when we were their friends, the whole thing is basically just us quoting <laughs> either Chris Hartley or Will Ferrell or, it's, Jim Carrey or something like that. It's how we communicate um, but, with each other. It's like it's it's a weird way. I don't know. I don't know if girls do that as much as guys, but we definitely do that. Like, you know, I think uh, I think Uncle Tony, uh, who's a listener as well as Dad, have pointed out before that our generation tends to quote things a lot more than any. I think quote quote media and quote movies more than any in the past, and and I think that's why. Phil and I were discussing this week why we <clears throat> are able to even do this podcast because we would neither of us could, would consider ourselves movie buffs, but because media and movies have intertwined itself with everyday culture, like we can talk about it like the way we do. Um, yeah, I and, think. I, I think I, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Go no I, I think what goes into that too is a lot of you know technology and availability of films also goes into that. I mean, when they were growing up, they you know. There, there might have been a hundred movies come out a, a year, you know, where and you know maybe ten percent of those they'd want to go and see. Whereas us, there's you know when we were growing up, there's five, six, seven movies that come out every week. So we have five hundred mm -hmm. to a thousand movies to choose from, and now it's even more with Netflix and stuff like that. So I think that and then also the technology as far as like a VCR and a DVD player, like things that they didn't have as as young guys. Where they can go re, go back and rewatch all these things. Where we do, we have that ability to, you know, if we're bored, we're, you know, rather we could, yeah, sure, we could read a book, but we could also throw in, you know, the box set of, you know, Austin Powers or whatever if, if we wanted to. So, well, that, so I think that's an important point that, that there's rewatchability in comedy. I think even more so than any other genre. So, like, I I think I rewatch. Like Maddie, my roommate and I can just throw on last night or two nights ago, we throw on Blades of Glory. Like, <laughs> it's not a great movie. I thought it was pretty funny. Just... Yeah, it's funny. I, I The John Hader character is not my favorite. But anyways, uh, it's uh, 
it's no, it's just something you can throw on. And I've probably seen that movie, you know, a handful of times or more. Like, and right. it's the, the fact that you can re rewatch those movies, I think I speaks to the, another level of, of why comedy should be respected. Um, and, and the fact that there's layers to them all, like oftentimes when you watch a, a thriller, like say Memento, um, you know what I mean? There's things you, you go back and you look for once you understand the final ending. Like, and you go back and you look like, oh, she, Carrie, uh, whatever her name is, uh, there, like, oh, she hinted, or like, you find little things to look for. Um, and, uh, Moment- and, but- Memento, obviously not a comedy, but there are funny parts in it, right? Like, where he's forgetting stuff and, like, sure. oh, Momentum is not, uh, Memento is not a comedy. It's not a but comedy. It's- but I no, bet you, I bet no, you if you go back and watch that trailer, they there is definitely some things in there that they tried to lace with comedy. I, I I would I'd put money on it. I don't know. There was that. I think I actually did watch the trailer recently because uh, me and Maddie watched it like last month, and it was like there was that one guy who did all of the trailers for in the nineties or okay. in the early in, in a world. It, Paramount Pictures presents <laughs> like. like yeah, exactly. Like that guy just got so much voice work, and nobody knows who is who he is. Anyways, um, but I'm just saying uh, the thrillers and in uh, movies that you know require like Inception requires a couple of rewatches. Um, another movie we've done a podcast on uh, and, another, um, another movie that laces wet comedy into it. Sure, but that's more like a you know, like self-awareness and also like, yeah, there's comedy to just so, break so, some of the So the, stuff, the, but, the like, Joe Go Levitt, Joe Go Levitt, not to bring him up again, we always bring him up, but when he like fakes Ellen Page, like when he gets Ellen Page to kiss him in that, in that scene, that is in the trailer. I remember seeing that in the trailer and like mm-hmm. people are laughing at that, like in the movie theater, people are like, oh yeah, okay. And it gets them lighthearted and wanted to see it. So there are elements of uh, comedy, even in that, even in that movie. Anyways, go ahead. Comedy makes movies more accessible. So if Christopher Nolan was just putting out a mind-bending thriller that appeals to one quadrant or one quadrant less than it might have if there's an element of comedy and it skews more towards an action movie. So most action movies like Lethal Weapons and all that stuff, they, they're laced with comedy. Yeah. Um, and and that that's a, a quintessential part of a, a of of an action movie in, you know, the gut part of what an action movie is. It's not just like, um, it's not just war and like, uh, sadness and stuff. There's going to be some comedy throughout mm-hmm. it. Um, uh, but that's, that, that's the ability of comedy to, you know, break through serious things and to make them more accessible. So that's, I, I think it's just the accessibility. Um, it makes it, you know, in something like Inception, like again, it's it makes it more accessible, but yeah. it's not stuff that you're going to go back and laugh at. So what I was talking about was rewatchability in, in layers in films and in finding stuff in comedies. So I think that just is more than a testament to the writers who come up with these comedies, and I yeah. think they're unsung heroes of really of of modern media. So let me let me run a list by you. I I kind of wanted to do this bit with my uh, research that I found. I found a bunch of uh, movies that deal with serious subjects, but again, are, were presented as comedies. I want to see mm-hmm. if you agree or, or disagree with these. 
So I have uh, seven movies here. Hopefully you've seen them all. Knocked Up is is with Seth Rogen and Katherine Heigl. A, a, a movie that's funny about a serious situation. About him getting someone knocked up on a one night stand. Would you... Good call. I have Liar Liar being something that deals with something. It's on the side. It's kind of... It's the first movie I remember seeing about a split family that has to worry about custody with the kids. Now, Jim Carrey's kind of a deadbeat, lying dad. Lawyer. That he, <laughs> Lawyer's getting no respect either because he, he's kind of seen as like this sleazy lawyer. But it, it really does... You know, when it does take a serious turn, or in, in minorly serious turn, it is trying to figure out, you know, what's best for this kid growing up. And obviously being, being near his Fletcher Reed, his dad, is not probably the best answer because he's such a scumbag. 50-50, Joseph Gordon-Levitt again, here we go. A, a movie about a guy who gets a cancer, cancer uh, um, di- diagnosed with cancer. And they kind mm-hmm. of, it's, you would agree that's a comedy. They have to deal with it with laughter almost yeah absolutely no i mean and also i think that's uh casting as well i think if other people were cast in those roles other than seth rogan and joseph gordon levitt or yeah that that i'm not i'm not sure if they could have pulled it off necessarily all right let me run through these last four real quickly dogma have you seen that at all yeah yeah absolutely with religion the kevin smith film this is 40 Toy Story 3 and Meet the Parents. Those are all yeah. ser- serious subjects. Like, this is 40. It sucks getting old. Toy Story 3, the toys realize their mortality. But it's you know, it's a Disney Pixar film, so I consider it, you know, a comedy right off the bat for kids and, and adults. Meet the Parents, We I think we just did our uh, uh, a podcast on that that we released last Monday. You know, it's meeting the parents for the first time. Everyone has a little bit of nerves going into that, but solely made as a comedy. No, I mean, it's, I, I love those. A lot of those are really great calls that I, I didn't come across my research or consider. Um, but it, it's, it's a way comedies have a way of normalizing these topics. So normalizing a family, uh, a split family, it, you know, in seen in popular culture, um, you know, the movie Friday is, you know, for me was an introduction to more um a, a kind of a lighter side of of the projects in in uh east la and uh anyway uh, are there also movies like um birdcage or rocky horror picture show um bring homosexuality into you know into uh, yep. visibility and prominence as well as you know you mentioned dogma and i had life of brian here um, which is <clears throat> is uh, Monty Python, and it's straight up to deal with you know the crucifixion of Jesus. It's a it's a guy who's born next door to Jesus, and <laughs> and it, it really comedy like oh, no other genre can really tackle uh, serious subjects and and again not only push the envelope but bring these these topics into public light which encourage discussion around them um which normalize some what's you know in the past have seen have been seen as taboo topics um you know it's there's you know there's serious movies you know like brokeback mountain which brought homosexuality into um into visibility but 
it's arguable that, you know, it, it could have it, it had some adverse effects in that it's synonymous with, you know, people who haven't even seen the movie just say, oh, them broke back. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, but I, I think you're right. I think those comedies that come out kind of breach or it, it's kind of the first one who takes a stab at, you know, shining light into into that into that subject. Like you said, Birdcage. Um, I have here listed In and Out. Do you remember that movie with with uh, Kevin Klein? Uh, in and out. Anyways, it's yes, 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 yes. So even so, but, but yeah, even, right. I think that those kind of set the stage. Whether we for a society like subconsciously, they're like, okay, we've already seen a bunch of movies about you know how homosexuals live or a life into that. So it it makes you when it, when a Brokeback Mountain comes out, it's you know not as shocking as as or not shocking, but you know what I mean. It's not the society's more ready for something like that because because comedy's taken a first stab at it. Absolutely. I mean, there's, it's establishing a misrepresented or underrepresented um, demographic and that we share our country with and our, our society with. Um, even like I was thinking for me, uh, my best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts, Cameron Diaz, like, so her, her gay friend for me, like I, I remember watching that as a young kid with the daily girls and uh and i just never thought there was an issue with i for me it, it was a sense of like that it was her her friend it was just her friend it wasn't a huge focus or anything like that and for me uh who as a kid from new hampshire uh you know i didn't have as much exposure and it was in a way i think sub like you said over uh you know thinking back on it i wasn't like oh there's a the gay character at the time, but thinking back on it, I think it's the subtlety of the involvement of of a of a, a minority group or a, a sure. or a mis underrepresented group that is important in the psychology of uh, a group, the society at large. Yeah. So I, another thing I just wanted to run through um, that uh, I, I I'm going back to the academy. My beef, like at the at the top. Okay. Before we go into that, um, so in, ter in terms of taboo subjects and uh, suicide uh, uh, in particular, would you consider Little Miss Sunshine a comedy? Yes, I would. I would consider that a comedy, yes. Yep. And I, I think that's based on the cast. That's based on it's made to make you laugh. But our grandfather, Grandpa Conley, said when because uh, it was a big movie when it came out. And I think my mom had, mom had asked him. Oh, what'd you think of Little Miss Sunshine? He's like, well, if you think suicide is funny, which, you know, I mean, to, to him was like just completely that's not funny in any in any terms. But for us, as as we, you know, that was our grandfather. You yeah. Know, we're multiple just yeah, so born in the mind. 1920s. Like, I don't know. I, I kind of cut past generations a break because. You know, they were raised on a different set of values. You know, they were raised no, at a different time. It, it, brings, it brings issues like that. You know, the Steve Carell character is the one who, the brother who, who tries to commit suicide sure. and is yeah. along with him. Um, but the whole movie's dark. Um, and I think, uh, again, it's, it's making that um, phenomena that exists um, in, in our society. Uh, more visible and and less stigmatized. Right. It's you know if they can about if they can approach it lightheartedly, it's better than not approaching it at all. And I I think that that comedies allow for that. So 
Funny you brought a duck. I swear, you look at my notes before we go. So funny brought up Little Miss Sunshine because there, are, there's. I went through the last 25 years again when I was looking at the Academy, and the ones, all the ones that I read to you before, I do not consider comedies. I'm going to read you not Oscar-nominated ones that I possibly consider comedies as I was going through the list. I'm going to run through them. Little Miss Sunshine was on there. Sideways was on there. Um, Juno, I consider I, I do consider Juno a comedy. I had to think about that. Silver Linings Playbook, mm, that's a, that's a great one, but I I do consider that one a, a comedy as well. The Grand Budapest Hotel is just silly and fun, so I consider that a comedy. Lady Bird and Vice was kind of a satirical look back at at uh, Dick Cheney and and George Bush their their presidency. Of so that's in the last 25 years, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven, not including anything Disney that was related. So because Disney's right on that fence too. So in 25 years, what I consider comedies as you know, for all the movies that were that were nominated, how can it only be seven movies that that are that are comedies? It's just no respect. Mm. It's it's less than no respect, it's no awareness of like art. So it's like, it's so, so the, that just so shows how uh, awards are so subjective and just like they're political in nature, I think. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that, about Deer Hunter, how that was one of the first films to really go for an award uh, in a past podcast. And, uh, and I think that, I don't think comedies are going, that's the cool thing about them. They're going for what they're going for. They're, I, I think the idea is what's driving the whole process and i think they're like it's although they might have ulterior and greater motives like borat or like uh um oh i don't know uh borat or uh, Not, like, like knocked said, knocked up or you know but they have that ability to just kind of i don't know okay yeah it's it's yeah, oh, okay. breach a subject that's that needs a side of laughter because like you said we like we said at the beginning sometimes these things are awkward for people to to see so if you introduce them with comedy it's a little bit more accepting and if you're in that lighthearted mood let me again I'm, I'm i'm still mad at the academy so let me go back i was gonna do this before movies that i think should have been nominated for oscars throughout throughout the last three decades ferris bueller's day off i think should have been should have been nominated animal house mean girls anchorman the big lebowski austin powers bridesmaids and groundhog's day i feel like all of those yeah. are monumental comedies and if you go back and watch them that have great writing great acting in them that they that should have been that should have been nominated I'll go a step further and say that 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 people or that actors and actresses should be nominated f for Oscars for comedies. Kristen Wiig and Bridesmaids should be. I think she should have been nominated. She was really good in that movie. I think Ace Ventura, uh, Jim Carrey should have been nominated. Old School Will Ferrell should have been nominated for a, in a supporting role. And then I think Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire should have been nominated. For an Oscar, I, I thought it. it was like such—it's like the performance of a lifetime. Like, how can you ignore that? 
because it, again, it, it's I feel like the Academy awards people that are going for something that's so obviously like political or like sure. so obviously like going for a statement. Whereas like those comedies, again, I mentioned bravery earlier. I mentioned, uh, you know, some, some, um, subtle, you know, commentary that it makes on society. But I think you make a really important point about the abilities of comedic actors. Um, in that, like the the timing that it takes, the comedic awareness, the the um, chemistry that it takes to pull off, like you said, bridesmaids. Yeah, um, the, the the talent, the talent. I'd argue that no one could play Ace Ventura like Ace Vin, like Jim Carrey. I'd argue that no one could play Mrs. Doubtfire like like it was a perfect role for these guys, and they're showcasing talent that's being overlooked. I think from an award so, standpoint. This is a great correlation or a great linear point um, uh, in that like, all right, so physical, it, it, physical comedy is such an aspect of Jim Carrey's performances or of the like mentioned Austin Powers or even Will Ferrell in old school um, and physical, physical transformations, which is one of our earliest podcasts is, you know, like most commitment or most committed roles, uh, physical transformations are often rewarded with awards like the christian bill changes with the you know all those things uh, or all those actors who make these huge physical sacrifices but if you talk you listen to some jim carrey interviews he talks about how he just can't do it as much anymore because his body would just take such a beating mm -hmm. from some of his roles and you know I, and robin williams too the amount of energy that it took to pull off some of this stuff it's just like boom 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 it just yeah. takes Again, not really so much drive, but like just the the comedic awareness. Like that that is something that not everyone has. So like I have written here, the transitive property doesn't exist here with act. like comedic actors can play serious roles actually quite well oftentimes, whereas serious actors have difficulty um, in comedic roles or you know oftentimes sure. it's. In comedic roles, it's just their presence of being there that's funny. Mm -hmm. Like Johnny Depp in Twenty One Jump Street, like he's all of a sudden he's just like there. Like I don't think like he could really pull off too much of a a funny role. Yeah, I'd say the closest he came was like maybe Edward Scissorhands or Jack Sparrow. Like he's supposed to be funny and lighthearted in those movies, but. But he's just more like odd and quirky right. more so than fun. Yeah, those are, I wouldn't consider either of those comedies. Um, so method acting as it comes to comedies as well. Jim, we saw Jim Carrey as, as Andy Kaufman do that. He, there's no way the Academy would give him the nod for that, even though you know, he put just as much effort as like a Daniel Day-Lewis. I think uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman did Truman Capote. Like if, if Capote was made as a comedy, I don't think that Philip Seymour Hoffman would have gotten as much respect as, as he did. As Jim as Jim Carrey did for Andy Kaufman, I and and we're arguing that they did the same work. Yeah, no, I, I that's that's a great comparison. I mean, they. So I think we need to go back to Bora. Like you didn't mention Bora as as like a. Well, yeah, no, you were talking about it, but definitely the same thing. He goes, he gets into character and stays into character for hours and hours, if not days and days, weeks and weeks at a time. 
but also think about the the widespread cultural effect that that had like that is a huge movie it was a, a massive movie that like seemingly everybody saw and and i'm not sure if it was that or bruno that mom dragged dad out of the theater for but uh i that says something too it was a is a movie that pushed the envelope that was massively uh uh received well received you know and yeah. and i think there's something to be said about that just the nature of that i mean for me for some reason eminem is popping into my head marshall mathers in that like he pushed the line with slim shady lp and marshall mathers lp but if you it's like just because of the, the some of the subject matter, but like it's some of the best art. Like it's still yeah. so good. But Doug, you go he, back he, and look. I mean, he kind of broke into the scene with comedy though, too. Like the real Slim Shady and um, oh, Hi, my my name my name is that music video was supposed to be funny. Absolutely, man. The whole I mean, his whole album is almost comedy. It's almost a comedy out like mm-hmm. Slim Shady out almost a comedy album with the sound effects he used. He's the first really one of the first rappers to use such unique sound effects of, you know, whether it's like a chainsaw or, yeah, or, it almost you know, sounds like there's whatever. a little skit going on in the background or, or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really unique. Um, but, but his, I, again, the ability to push the line by using, and then using comedy to, to break that seriousness is just so effective, I think for, for people and, and, and for us, um, and, and I think I was interesting that you mentioned Ferris Bueller as a, uh, as an Oscar nod. Um, cause I, I, I don't, I mean, it was a great movie, but do you think during the time they could have had that like awareness that it was going to like yeah, I essentially think, well, I, define I, much like the breakfast club at that time? Like, I feel like that was kind of an American pie type for that generation. I think American pie, you could put down here. Uh, maybe that was a little too raunchy, but I, th- I think that, that, that Ferris Bueller's Day Off, when it came out, I think it was recognized. It wasn't just like a cult classic. It was a big, impactful movie. Like, people went to go see that. Uh, it was like Matthew Broderick's, you know, debut. I, I, I think it dealt with a, a lot of serious situations, like Cameron's depression or whatever. That, like, I, I don't know. I, I think they kind of made fun of his depression, though. Like, they yeah, were playing because, the sad Because it was a, because it was a comedy, but it definitely provoked discussion after. So I, I don't know. I, I guess I well, don't remember. Time, so I guess I wasn't aware of that. All I know is just, it was just kind of a party movie with, Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like that song was just constantly playing. Like it was, it was supposed to be kind of like a, just a fun movie. But for me, it was again insight into that generation because what when did that movie come out in eighty eight or eighty nine? Yeah, like somewhere that. around there. So, anyways, I you know before I was born, and that was one of those movies. Much like I have a few here, like Animal House, I think helped define a generation. You know, with through comedy, also Swingers uh, yeah. in the nineties was another one that like was you know kind of represented guys in their in their like in the middle of their life who were you know maybe not as well represented in mainstream in terms of like comedy or what like what what you know maybe what they're actually doing um and then i have for, for my generation i have super bad yeah super so, bad's a great great movie yeah it's the it's the dealing with going you know high school is ending we're going to college like 
they do it, you know, with a ton of funny. I think that's a hilarious movie. But, you know, the pressures of, you know, buying the booze for, like, the senior party or whatever. Like, just stupid things, but things that kids of that age really do feel as, as pressures. No, absolutely. I mean, it's like, it. They comedies, in hindsight, seem, well, not seemingly, but uh, have the, again, had that ability to really kind of help to define that era. Like, uh, I mean, I mentioned Breakfast Club earlier. I mean, I don't know if I consider that a comedy. No, that's not a comedy, no. But there's certainly comedic elements, definitely, of course. Definitely, The tricks uh, that they're playing on the principal, there is. But I, I don't consider that one a comedy. But I think Paris Bueller, again, for me, is more like... So, in a podcast to come, we're going to talk about, you know, the effects. There's more of like high school movies or like you know, what I consider kind of the American pie effect and how, you know, their movies have an ability to help, again, define generations and yeah. stuff like that. And, for us, again, you know, what what would you say your generation's movie is? Was it old school or is it? For college, it was old school. But I think like high school, 10 Things I Hate About You is certainly one. American Pie definitely was. I mean, Cruel Intentions, that was kind of more of the upper echelon, like private school, high school. But there was a bunch of different ones. And then there's a bunch of slasher ones that kind of dealt with like the parties and stuff like Scream. I know what you did last summer. Those so, yeah, I mean, if I had to pinpoint one, I think it would be 10 Things I Hate About You. But, I mean, that was the same year as American Pie. It was just... That's a comedy. 10 Things I Hate About You is a oh, comedy. Oh, yeah, for, I agree. Yeah, definitely. Anyways, so, like, the, again, they have... When you look back, you're not talking about necessarily, like, the, the, the bubblegum pop movies that are just, like, kind of about high school and drama and stuff like that, like... Um, like I've mentioned Jawbreaker on an earlier podcast, which is like more of a murder mystery. Um, but anyways, it's like, you, it's, those aren't the movies that are remembered. It's the Clueless's the movies like Clueless that are like often quoted, I think more so by your generation. And a friend of mine's like always saying, rolling with the homies. Yeah, Clueless like, is a good one. I mean, it was a little bit before I was in high school. I think that was like 92, 93, 94, right in there. But yeah, definitely definitely the staple or the marquee movie for for that generation or for the that class i should say so I, so i mean there's I, i'm coming to the end of like my and i'm trying to round out like my argument for why comedies are are the most important for me i think not the most important but again we started off the podcast asking do they stimulate the most emotion because for me you know you're laughing throughout an entire movie and you're there and you, you kind of allow yourself, like you said, you, you let down your guard going into it. Like you just, you're, you're kind of there and it's, you allow yourself to just be and to just laugh. And I think for me that it's consistent emotion, whereas something like a, a drama or a more emotional movie may stimulate some afterthought or some more deeper le levels of thought. But it's not stuff that you and I are quoting for years. It's not mm -hmm. stuff that. That we're, um, that we're thinking it, about it, for years either, really. It, well, the Truman Show, you could argue we were thinking about for years. Anyways, but 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 I think that it's – that talk about comedy and, you know, that's its ability to transcend. Anyways, um, uh, I, I just I, – I'm arguing that comedies hold a, a, a more important role 
over time and within the context of our lives rather than the serious roles and the serious movies that arguably get the most attention and money poured into as well as accolades which is what we were yeah discussing that's my biggest beef is that there i think that there's just as much genius in comedy as there is in drama and it just doesn't get recognized i mean if i had to put a put a you know just an overall statement around what my beef is with the academy on that is it's just not recognizing the genius that goes into these things because maybe there is a fart joke in the middle of it you know which you know is funny too (laughs) I, i mean all right so Speaking of fart jokes, like what about like the South Park guys with Team America, like being able to do a major motion picture with goofy puppets? I think like, we, I think that you see their genius. They were involved with um, the the Good Book, or what was the, what was the name of their um, uh, their Broadway series? Book of Mormon. The Book of Mormon, right? So I mean, I, I think that they are recognized as genius, but again, it's not by the the most major, you know. Uh, they've gotten Emmys though. They've gotten. They've definitely gotten an Emmy. And what they did in response to that was make an episode about uh, poop size, and then they would like put Emmy award winning. So show okay, yeah. Their- so South Park gets the awards. Book of Mormon gets the awards. Team America does would never get an award. Team America, no. But it was. I mean, it's all. Think about it. What to, went into making those sets? Or went into the puppeteers. Right, like. right, right. So I think that's our beef is that the Academy is the last award show or the last uh, group of whatever people who hand out awards that don't that don't see that that don't see that genius. So and I, and I mentioned it earlier about like comedies holding up a mirror to the world or Hollywood and stuff like that. And I and I want to before we get through it all mention parodies and how. Parodies are often effective in in how they, again, like just so not another teen movie, uh, just just is so obviously making fun of like what you know like that American Pie or Ten Things I Hate About You, and it did such a good job. And same with Scary Movie, it did such a good job of like identifying like commonalities between the films mm-hmm. and just kind of like putting a goofy twist on it because. It's so Hollywood to have those commonalities. And like, I think that's what like Robin Hood Men in Tights, which we also, Dave Chappelle is in, was one of his earliest roles. Uh, We haven't discussed Dave Chappelle and how important he he has been to uh, his career. So we, we, it was hard to talk about him because there's no great movie to reference, but maybe, uh, you know, but now that hit the the half baked, I would say is his only like that's his that's his big movie. And embarrassed about that, he always shits on it. Like, but the that his ability and the effect that he has as a uh, philosopher and as a uh, as a person who represents his community, like is he's he's a really kind of a living legend uh, in the way that he rejected also rejected the, the uh, kind of sick ways of Hollywood uh, in leaving his show so abruptly. Uh, but he also said he was starting to get the wrong type of laughs. Um, so like when he was dressing up in some fairy costume or something, like he heard what he referred to as the wrong type of laugh. And it, I think it took a lot of bravery to, to up and leave that. And I think speaks a lot about him, but also his resilience over time. He's just like, He's one, I think for me, one of the most interesting 
public figures of our time. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing he doesn't have more movies or didn't didn't go the the route of Hollywood. But I think you said for all those reasons, like he, I think he had more control over his show and control over what he does up on stand up. So, I mean, I think that that's probably you know a game he wasn't willing to play. You know, with the whole movie biz that you know it kind of takes. I mean, we've seen it in like Family Guy episodes and like South Park and stuff like. The, you know, you have an idea, the the a box office or a studio will buy it and it'll completely warp it into what they want it. And I, I think you're right. I think he just didn't want to play that game. Well, and, and that brings up, I know we're, we're wrapping up and in, in it being a movie podcast, I'm not going to get too far into stand-up, but there's also been this, this stand-up movement, if you will, in the past 10 years where stand-up comedians are, are becoming more respected and there's no real reward show or anything for them, but it seems like society as a whole is like people like Sarah Silverman or Patton Oswalt or uh, Jim Gaffigan or for some reason listen to more. We, we watched Chanley, uh, Chelsea Handler last night, uh, her stand-up. We watched Kevin Hart the night before. So yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily love them in anything else that they do, but like if, if they're just purely telling jokes, I think that that's the best way to consume their genius or art or whatever you want to call it. And talking about pushing the limits and creating the, you know, pushing the limits, Louis CK pushed and and Dave have both pushed the limits as far as what you can say. Yeah. Um, And, and again, I think that's important. And, uh, and as we continue, I think that the comedy again should be, Considered with now that we have all this hindsight and now that we're used to the oversaturation of everything, comedies are one thing that's still cut through. And like when there's a great comedy, like everybody can mostly agree on it. Yeah. Seems, so. so you know how we have lifetime achievement awards for, you know, different actors that may have not won Oscars or whatever. But we look back at the body of their work and they get recognition after Maybe that's something that we could do with comedies. I don't know. Obviously, we're not prepared to do it today. But just look back and just be like, okay, you know what? Like a movie like, you know, a Mean Girls. Like, that really was like... It's funny to, to, to say anything that Lindsay Lohan was. Was like a, a monumental film. But it is. It was. Uh, you know, old school. Like, and maybe give like a past award. Like once we fully digested what this was, it wasn't just a bunch of cheap laps. There was some depth to it. You know, uh, what else? What other do, do I have on here? Like the Big Lebowski, right? Like let's give that its credit it's due. Maybe five, ten years after the, some something aside from like Best Picture that they could go back and just be like, hey, I, I you know, these comedies do matter, and we're recognizing them now. Yeah, I think, well, I think that's what we're doing here in this podcast. But I, I think, again, as this stand-up culture is, is progressed and now, you know, Mark, uh, uh, Dave Chappelle didn't receive the Mark Twain uh, award, um, which is like to uh, acknowledge a, uh, a prolific artist in, in his prime while he's stu- still doing his stuff. So it's not like um, they're going completely unrecognized. I think the trend has been obviously like you put out the stats with there's seven movies in the past 25 years that were considered for Oscars. Yeah. And I think obviously that there, there hasn't been a trend, but maybe with the, 
with again with the the way things are being consumed now i think that that trend could change i hope so all right homie i think this is a good place to end it um so if anyone from the academy is listening all we're asking is please in the future recognize the genius that is in some of these companies r-e-s-p-e-c-t please respect comedy Alright, take it easy. Clock until five, holding out to get up.